Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. I'm producer and host Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here with two very, very smart people on a very, very important topic. Today, I'll be speaking with Sarah Carlson. Sarah, we are recording the video, so why don't you wave hello so everybody sees you. There's Sarah. Sarah is hello. a partner and executive within the IBM Consulting Global Digital Commerce Practice. That's a long title for a business card. I don't think we use those anymore. Sarah, welcome. <laughs> And we're also joined by Tom Madonna, who's a frequent guest here on Automotive Insiders, Industry Executive Advisor for Automotive at SAP. Hi, Tom. Our topic today, vehicle sales, captive fleet, and customer care. Wow. Let's do introductions. Sarah Carlson, we'd love to know a little more about you. What do you do? What's your role at IBM? And what's your passion for this topic for being here? Sarah, welcome. Hey. Well, thank you very much, Bonnie. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, So... In my, uh, this is actually a new role for me. I moved out of actually industry and working directly with customers into the global digital commerce role, focused on automotive. And the opportunity here in automotive uh, that's so exciting is that you can't even call what's going to be happening in the industry a disruption. It is a, you know, we talk about transformation, but this is true transformation. The world is going to transform. And that's really what I'm passionate about is how to be a part of it, you know, how we are going to move forward both as, a, uh, as, as individuals, uh, as we have our lives be totally and radically changed by all these new technologies that are coming and how it's going to actually help and be better for the world. Thank you very much. Key, key phrase, be better for the world. Thank you, Sarah. We really appreciate that. Tom Madonna, I have a challenge for you. You've been on so many times. I'm guessing we're down to about 4.28 people who don't remember you, Tom Madonna. So please talk to those 4.28 people and refresh and shame on them. Refresh their memory, who you are, what you do at SAP, and what's your passion for being here today. Tom, welcome back. Thanks, Bonnie, and thanks, uh, viewership. Uh, appreciate uh, the time and, and being back. Uh, Tom Madonna, Industry Executive Advisor with, with SAP. So what does that uh, mean in regards to that long title? I'm responsible for helping clients understand the technology and get the best business value out of it uh, across automotive. Uh, Bill Newman and myself uh, both uh, cover North America. Uh, let it be captive, let it be OEM, supplier, uh, dealership, um, third-party retailer. So all of those are there um, and uh, ultimately the, the use of the technology, the business value out of that technology and the execution. And we talked uh, at the beginning of the year about, uh, you know, the next uh, structure, you know, the new normal. Um, I just call it the next normal because uh, as we go through this process, uh, things continue to change. Buyers uh, continue to uh, change the way they're buying the vehicles, using the vehicles, uh, maintaining the vehicles. And we'll get into some of those details uh, in a little bit here. Thank you very much. You took that word next from me, Tom, because people are saying new normal. And I said, I changed a little bit. I say the new reality. 
or the next reality. I don't know what normal is anymore. I don't think we do. But Sarah, right, even for what, 20 seconds, we'll have something that is considered the new normal. And I appreciated your comments, especially about about disruptive technologies and disruption in the world. We are living in an era of disruption, minute to minute and day to day, moment to moment. And if I can say this, car to car. So let's find out a little bit about how you got involved with automotive. Sarah, I know you have a very interesting story. Would you share a little with us, please? Um, sure, absolutely, Bonnie. Well, I'm just going to go way back. So my first involvement with the auto industry was through my family. My father had a, a automobile dealership uh, in uh, Great Falls, Montana. So I was born there. I was very young, but it kind of laid the framework for the first years of my life before he went on to other businesses. But through that, it was kind of my first experience uh uh, with automotive because we always had new cars. So, you know, always loved them, always wanted to be a part of it. Uh, kind of to scroll up to the beginning of my career, uh, I actually started off and was doing a number of projects in the computer industry, uh, working out of Chicago, supporting uh, automotive parts. You know, may not sound real exciting, but it was an interesting piece. And then I left, went to California, didn't really do a whole lot of automotive until about 2014. So I'd been in electronics and I saw a major shift coming in and was able to jump back into automotive as truly automotive is now and cars are becoming the next big electronics device. So I started off and started working in infotainment and commerce systems in the vehicle. Cars are the next big electronic device. Yes, absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. And we've heard people, I don't know if anybody said it quite that well, Sarah. Thank you very much. Tom, you know what she's talking about. Do you agree that's a good way to put it? Crisis yeah, so basically, it's a, new, it's a new mobile device. It's a new smartphone. So, uh, you know, the, the, the systems today, the, the equipment today, the vehicles today are basically turning into uh, a rolling computer. When you look at the Tesla, you know, it's a, it's a large CPU, one chip, uh, huge uh, situation. When you look at some of the other uh, OEMs, you know, 10, 12, you know, 100 uh, or so uh, chips in them, depending upon what's actually running the systems. When I got my new car, I, I tell everybody it's a computer on four wheels. It's a very yep. pretty, pretty computer. Tom, while I've got you talking, how did you get started in automotive? What lured you into this field? Because obviously you've been doing it for a while and obviously you're passionate about it. What was that origin point? Well, I think the origin point would have been uh, either nine or 10, sitting in my grandfather's lap, uh, him pushing the pedals and me doing the, uh, the, the 74 Ford, uh, three on the, on the stick driving. Um, yeah, we were only going downhill and it was only you know five miles an hour, but uh, at that point in time, the passion of of, of vehicle and you know, ownership was was there. Um, but you know, in in reality, my business uh, structure it was probably early '90s. Um, I was actually at that point in time a transportation guy, so I was doing aer- aerospace. Um, I got a call from a, a good friend of mine who said, "Hey, we just sold a, a new piece of work at an OEM in Detroit. I'd like you to come up." And uh, there, that was it. That was history, and I've been in, in automotive ever since. Um, but it's been interesting. It's been uh, uh, seeing kind of the, the roar of the 60s and 70s and all of the, the fanfare in Detroit to, um, in all intents and purposes, kind of the, the low point in Detroit in execution in regards to the big three. And now you see the resurgence and uh, the resurgence is uh, flashy. It's, uh, it's stylish. Uh, it's got a lot of technology and uh, it's becoming a new structure. And again, going back to the consumer 
products and, and the smartphone execution. That's what people are looking for in their new vehicles. Thank you very much. Tom, I've asked you this a million times. Well, you've been on almost a million times. So let me ask Sarah the question. Sarah, do you remember your first car, make, model, year, color? Any stories you're okay sharing with us about that car? Was it a <laughs> hand-me-down? Was it a paper route? I, I got 500 bucks. I'm going to put my money down. How did you get it? How did you find it? Tell us. Yeah, well, so my first car, so I'm the uh, youngest. I have two older brothers, and uh, my I got the hand-me-down. So I got the hand-me-down. Uh, it was a maroon Corvair. So, and one of the interesting things about that car was that it had what was called a servicator. I don't know if anybody here knows what a servicator is. It was a little box, and it had, you know, it, it had a little card in it, and then it would tell you what you should do when it needed service. Or somebody could figure out what it did when it needed service. But it had this funny little box in it and a little white card, and, and I think there were some holes in it or whatever. Never could really quite figure it out, but yeah, it needed to go to the garage a few times. <laughs> That is a first, Sarah. Of all the people I've spoken to over the past <laughs> two years, I've never heard that word. Thank you very much. We'll just oh, you're leave welcome. it at that. <laughs> so Sarah and Bill, you're here to discuss an important topic. And Sarah, you were kind enough to send me some conversation starters. Let me start off with your first one. Then we'll go to Bill and ask him to, oh, Bill, can I dare say agree or disagree with Sarah? I'm just going to say add some Add some commentary, all right, as, as, as you and Bill Newman like to say, color commentary. And then I'll bounce over to a topic from Tom, and we'll go back and forth. So Sarah says, as OEMs transform into mobility companies, and that's probably enough to start a conversation right there, Sarah, but you add their business models will change, and the total available market will grow tenfold as the focus shifts to price mile from price vehicle. Please unpack this. Sarah Carlson, go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah, it was interesting. You know, we've been hearing a lot over the last three to four years as the OEMs, all, they all came out, we're going to be a mobility company. We're going to be a mobility company. Uh, and then the question becomes, what does that really mean, becoming a mobility company? And then in the last probably 18 months since the COVID entered our lives and we entered this new normal, it was that none of the word came in was sustainable. So now we have sustainable and mobility, but what does that all mean at the end of the day? I really like what Aikido Toyota said because he defined it the best. He said, we need a new business model in line with case. So these are the cars that are going to be produced that are connected, autonomous, shared, and electric. So what's happening is that it's a new business model for the new vehicles and for the new economy. That's what that really means. So ultimately what happens is that you can talk about mobility being vehicles on demand. You can talk about it being wide hailing and sharing and so on and so forth. But let's think about this for a minute. You, you, we've all experienced all the delivery companies and Amazon and all commerce has all changed. And what do you see on the roads? Hundreds of Amazon vans and delivery vans. And it's a whole new world out there. And what ultimately is changing in the business model is that a couple of years ago when we were working on, I was working on a major project, question was posed, on any given day, where will you find over 90% of the cars in America? 
And the answer was, in a Walmart parking lot. Wow. Wow. All right. Now, I thought you were going to say on the Long Island Expressway. Yeah, no, I'm no, New no. Yorker. Actually, <laughs> it's, it was parked in a Walmart parking lot. The other interesting to sit around that is that cars, our, our cars today are parked 95% of the time. Yes. And I would venture to guess during COVID that that number might have increased a little bit, right? Because we have more deliveries. So what does it now mean for this new business model? What happens? What's different about all these delivery vehicles? These delivery vehicles are on the road all day long. So we're going to have a shift from vehicles. It won't happen tomorrow, but this is the evolution. We're going to shift to vehicles that are going to do 100,000 miles in a year, not 100,000 miles over 10 years. And that's going to be a major change because those vehicles are going to be much more expensive so the ownership model is going to morph into a usership model, and the OEMs, as they go build the vehicles, are going to look at different KPIs, and it's going to move to you know cost per mile, and they're going to be focused on how do they move from a vehicle that they sell today for $19,000, one and done, right? And then the dealer service it and so on and so forth, but... The OEM doesn't really make any more money off of it other than some parts here and there, so on and so forth over the rest of it. You know, if it's on a lease, perhaps, you know, they've got the residual value. It all comes back in a couple of years. But at the end of the day, that's a one and done sale where now that's a vehicle that they sell is going to generate $190,000 because it's going to be a dollar a mile. That's a different world different model requiring all kinds of different systems. And most importantly, it's not going to be about the vehicle. It's going to be about their connection with that consumer who's using that vehicle, whether that be delivery companies and people within the fleet business or whether that be individual consumers, families, all across the board. So we're going to see partial vehicle ownership, shared rides, we're going to see some still some ownership because people still like the freedom of having their own vehicle. But this is going to evolve because it's a very different vehicle that's going to be produced in the future. That's going to go 100,000 miles in a year and be operating 95% of the time. And that's when we enter the autonomous world, which is coming very quickly. Thank you, Sarah. Fascinating. I just have to qualify my statement. The Long Island Expressway is considered the world's largest parking lot. So when Yes, you said there you go. <laughs> When you said they're parked in a Walmart parking lot, I had the same thought. It was just a New York-based comment. Thank you. I'm Madonna. Love to get your thoughts on what Sarah Carlson just shared. So much to talk about. Tom? I think Sarah brings up some some very valid points. I think, uh, you know, part of this is when you start talking about uh, 85 95% uh, parked rate in regards to it, you know, I would have said, uh, not Walmart, I would have said your, your, your driveway uh, in regards to, you know, where the cars are parked because, it's the uh, most expensive asset with the least expensive return uh, based upon the execution model. So as you start to think about that, there's, there's one piece to it. The second piece in regards to sustainability, um, what's the carbon footprint for that vehicle as it goes from you know, 5%, 10% use to 95% use? And, and what does that mean in regards to the actual product? So you start to see clean energy, you start to see the battery manufacturers and BEV, you start to see uh, alternate fuels. And so part of that, and, and the other piece is, is the most 
efficient way to drive a vehicle, it's a, an ICE vehicle, a, a combustion engine, is on a highway, not last mile. It's not stopping and starting, going to stop signs, going to stoplights, et cetera. So, so part of this is not only do we introduce a situation that we're going to change and put more cars and more vehicles on the road, we're also going to put more emissions out. And so, so you start to look through that, the sustainability has to move with the direction of what's going to happen within the industry. And so not only autonomous, not only electrification, but alternate fuels. And, and those are going to be, be different. I mean, the, the point she made in regards to ownership and usership, you know, the lifetime of those batteries at this point in time is, is well over 10 years. And so there has been a concept now that says, okay, so let's say you own a vehicle for four or five years, you, you've used the technology, but the battery still is half-life. You trade it back in, what's that, what's that OEM going to do? That OEM is probably going to pop off the shell, put a new shell on it with new technology and ship it back out. So you're going to see a new structure in regards to how vehicles are, one, purchased, how vehicles are, two, used, how vehicles are recycled. You know, what's the used car market? What's the, uh, the execution on secondhand that's going to happen? So the models are there. The models are changing. Uh, the consumer is going to drive it. There's been a different change in consumer ownership over the course of the last 18 months. So a previous show, we talked about that. You know, we talked about the millennials not wanting to, to own vehicles. Well, guess what? 10% more millennials bought vehicles this past 18 months because of clean uh, usership of wanting their own vehicle with their own, you know, structure as compared to a shared uh, car. So there's going to be changes. There's going to be a fluctuation. This industry is nothing but, you know, disruption in regards to it. You know, let it be a tsunami. Let it be a freeze in Texas. Let it be the pandemic. You know, there's been a lot of conversations about disruptions and disruptors, disrupt, disruptors disrupting the disruptions. You know, the, the, the industry itself is, is, is dynamic. And, and one thing I found very interesting and was a conversation uh, that I had uh, this past week was we are in a very sophisticated industry that is ever-changing and it's going to require people, technology, and execution for that to actually continue. And, and the users, the consumers are just driving that need. And so it's, it's a fun time. And I think it's going to become more interesting as we, as we move forth. Certainly will. Thank you very much, Tom. And you touched on a topic we were going to cover, the customer journey on ownership versus usership has changed in the past 18 to 24 months. And you brought up the millennials habits. I didn't know they were buying more cars because of the green or technology. Sarah, anything you want to comment back to Tom on that before I move to your second topic, Sarah? Yeah, well, it's a really important thing to really understand what that means because it does link back totally to the business model. As we move from ownership to usership, what does that mean to the OEM? And there's a huge shift that's going to happen. One, the we will no longer be in service of our cars. If you think about it, all of the systems today and all the connected services and everything that the OEMs were selling has all been with the car in the center. And there's connected services that help you service the car, uh, you know, insure the car, provide safety services. You can think about all of those. You get the mobile apps, but it's all, all in service of the car. What has to change? What has to change is the following. The user, the person, the driver, and or the passenger is now going to be in the center. And the OEMs haven't had this information. They haven't had the data directly uh, about their consumers, but they're going to be providing a marketplace of services. 
So it's not going to be just about the vehicle. It's going to be about how will they be relevant and trusted and deliver mobility to people who need to go from place to place and who want to uh, have products brought to them as opposed to them go to shop and pick them up. It's a huge, giant change. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. Let's move to one of our main topics. Sarah, I've got more notes from you. You say, as fleet offerings evolve to include autonomous and electric vehicles, they will provide fleet operators with a whole new set of services, predictive maintenance, connected services, EV charging services. We've talked about that a lot on the show. Autonomous uptime services, need to unpack that, and an ecosystem of third-party services. Sarah, why don't you unpack this, and then we'll see what Tom has to say. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about the, the consumer and how they'll use all these services and that the consumer was in the middle Okay. When it comes to fleets and the provisioning out there, the challenge, you know, as we move into autonomous and electric, you know, these vehicles and the big trucks and no matter what kind of truck, they're on the road all the time. <clears throat> they have kind of the opposite of the uh, passenger vehicles in the sense of that they're utilized a whole lot more, right? They're running all the time. They were running all the time. Now they're going to be running in autonomous mode. Uh, as we move into the future. They're going to be much more connected. So when we think about the services and how they may be sold, maybe it's not so much in terms of miles, but it's going to be in terms of hours and uptime. And how do you keep that vehicle running and serviced? And you think about this. Uh, last week, uh, Cruise was actually fully autonomous in San Francisco, uh, they were using the ride-hailing uh, experience for the executives. Runs from 10 p.m. at night till 6 a.m. in the morning, and the vehicle comes, picks them up, no driver. And they hop in, and it takes them to where they want to go. Delivery vehicles are going to be doing that. They're going to be able to go off, pick up your you know, delivery, come back. There won't be anybody in it. So what happens? These cars, all these, all these vehicles, whether they be vans or trucks or semis or whatever it is, they're going to go back to the barn so to speak. And they're going to have to be serviced. There's going to be a whole new set of marketplace services around where do they go. And this is going to be, you know, definitely changing things. But these are new services because the, ultimately the economics of it is that the economics of taking care of an electric truck is a lot less than the economics related to taking care of an ICE vehicle. They have a lot less parts and the ultimately the the model changes a bit there because now they have to now they want to provide a lot of other services and they'll want to provide uptime because again you're going to have a major electric vehicle that has less parts and less service yet it's projected that they're going to make more money because now they're going to be a number of these other services that they're going to be involved in. So again, it's not sell it one and done it's going to be keep it running and keep updating it and adding new services as these vehicles become more and more software and less and less hardware thank Even you very much business. less and less yes thank you very much more and more software tom madonna why don't you chat back to sarah what do you think i think she's spot on i think um you already see it you see uh tire companies now doing tires as a service uh, so you don't buy tires, you basically rent tires, you pay by the one eighth 
um, you know, increment on, on the tire. And when the tires need to be changed, they change them out. Uh, you see operator as a service. So you see new operators putting new big service barns next to municipality structures to allow for when that car comes back to the barn or that truck comes back to the barn, they're serviced right there. They're put back in, in, in the structure. You see electrification as a service. So there's new service charging stations that are uh, non-connected. So they're actually like, uh, you know, if you uh, have a charging station for your for your phone where you just place it on the pad and the pad charges it through the case, et cetera, that's how these are working. You drive over the service pad and over a matter of 15 minutes, they fill up a uh, charge station on the, on the truck or the bus and, and they move on. All of these have increased just the, the technology and the innovation within the structure. And, and Sarah's exactly right. At this point in time, it's a new model. It's going to be uh, connectivity, not only uh, near time, but all the time. And, and the structure needs to be at what point in time does that uh, monetization of that service become imperative for the user, the driver, the operator to basically move through. And, and again, as those vehicles change, and particularly in captive fleet, and we talk about alternate fuels, just not electrification, uh, you're going to see a lot of that. ADAS at this point in time is coming. So let it be autonomous uh, with, uh, you know, helping the driver or not. Uh, I've said more than once, autonomous is coming and it's going to be in every vehicle. You know, it, it was what, uh, late 70s when uh, cruise became uh, an active part of every single vehicle. It's taken 50 years to become an active cruise and hands-free. Uh, love the new vehicle. Love the love the love the song that uh, one of our customers is playing, uh, and as they're clapping and going down the road uh, to "We Will Rock You." But uh, ultimately, there are new services or new executions, and and changes are coming. Thank you. Changes are coming and changes are here. We're just about out of time. I want to get a quick prediction from each of you. I know we didn't plan this, but Sarah Carlson, if we met again one year from today. Would we still be having the same conversation or would a lot of these trends, these changes have come to pass and we would be moving on to different aspects of these very exciting topics? Sarah, what do you think? Well, I think in a year from now, uh, we're going to see that these changes are going to come faster than we think. And the second piece is going to be the future is going to be all about for the OEMs creating a trusted brand experience because it's going to be, you know, the vehicle is still going to be a big part of our lives because we like to go places, right? And we're mm-hmm. going to have to go get there. So what's going to be the big change? I'm going to predict that as the Googles, the Amazon and the Apples enter the marketplace and they enter the retail marketplace because your use of a vehicle is really around marketplaces. Will the OEMs be able to provide the platform and the marketplaces that you would trust to use or does Apple just win because now they offer a car and now it's just another device on your network. Very, very interesting. Tom prediction. What do you see? I see a couple things occurring and I think you can just look at the market. Okay. You you talk about sustainability. You talk about execution. Just look at the, the stock market. What happened over the last two weeks? What happened with the evaluation of all these new platform manufacturers? And you look at that compared to the, the existing brick and mortar OEMs, 30%, 50%, 100% cap, market cap heavier than the big three. 
that's going to drive business to do something different. That's going to drive a reactive execution that's going to basically move these companies forth. And guess what? Competition's coming inside and outside of the industry. And so points in regards to Google, Apple, uh, Amazon, et cetera, those are, those are there. That's a disruption that's coming. Um, the new platform manager just is a disruption that's coming. All of these are going to be there. So I think a year from now, you're going to see 10%, 15% more vehicles on the road if we can solve our supply chain issues which we're looking right now to be 22 to 23. And then second, what is the technology going to be? What's the next breakthrough? I think that uh, the ADAS uh, situation will be uh, level three in, in probably half the vehicles. And again, I think we're still on that trajectory track to have 50% of the vehicles on the road by 25 being BEV vehicles or at least being sold. Now, again, we talked about, you know, will the keys still be in the pocket? Bonnie, we bring this up. We talked about it almost every time we talk. My keys will still be in my pocket. But at this point in time, the question is, am I driving the vehicle all the time or am I clapping as I'm going down the road? <laughs> You've seen the commercials. They're starting <laughs> to do the commercials with everybody. They're all clapping as the car goes down the road. And you see on the dashboard, it says lane change and you see the vehicle. Yes, there are researchers at Boston University now, an engineer and his colleagues who are testing cars in the Boston-Cambridge area. I lived in Cambridge and I know what those roundabouts look like, Sarah, where you've got five roads coming into one roundabout and they have to decide who goes first and who who lives, whose car doesn't go to the shop. We'll leave that one alone. Uh, But the point is that they're up to a 92% safety rate on vehicles, these autonomous vehicles driving on roads they're familiar with through their algorithms and cars learning to drive better and more safely from observing the behavior of other cars, from things like raindrops and from observing people in these virtual reality environments, 92%. So my quick question to you, Sarah, is in five years, if they're up to 99.9% safety on autonomous vehicles, will you be still driving with your own keys or will you be clapping in the backseat of an autonomous vehicle? Yes or no? Oh, clapping in the backseat of the autonomous vehicle, 100%. <laughs> and I'll still have the keys to my sports car. We know that. Thank yes. you so much, Sarah Carlson. Pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to welcome you. You have been such a, a, a source and a force of great information. And thank you to IBM for letting you share your knowledge with us. Tom Madonna, always a pleasure. Shout out to Drew Rhodes at OESA for facilitating this. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another very force full driving forward-looking episode of Automotive Insiders presented by OESA. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.